Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. The fundamentalist seeks to bring down a great deal more than buildings. Such people are against to offer just a brief list, freedom of speech, a multi-party political system, universal adult suffrage, accountable government, Jews, homosexuals, women's rights, pluralism, secularism, short skirts, dancing, beardlessness, evolution theory, sex. These are tyrants, not Muslims. The fundamentalist believes that we believe in nothing. In his worldview, he has his absolute certainties while we are stuck in sybaritic indulgences. To prove him wrong, we must know first that he is wrong. We must agree on what matters. Kissing in public places, bacon sandwiches, disagreement, cutting-edge fashion, literature, generosity, water, a more equitable distribution of the world's resources, movies, music, freedom of thought, beauty, love— these will be our weapons, not by making war, but by the unafraid way we choose to live shall we defeat them. How to defeat terrorism? Don't be terrorized. Don't let fear rule your life, even if you are scared. In today's episode, we try to bring this perspective from Salman Rushdie forward during a very difficult news week. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsu Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance.
So hopefully this week we're heading to the Republican National Convention, and we are definitely heading to the Democratic National Convention next week. And we're so excited. So look forward to unique programming, some additional shows as we head out. And your support of the show makes these opportunities possible. So if you'd like to make a donation to the show or become a monthly supporter, you can head to pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And also this week we're offering free shipping on t-shirts so if you want a pantsuit politics or a crazy moderate t-shirt head over to the website so donald trump officially has his vice president um i am very grateful for the bread emoji since i compared mike pence to toast last week and our listeners responded brilliantly as usual Hmm. um i think that it's just been weird, right? Like, did you see any of the announcement? It's. I feel like Donald Trump is just not excited at all and is not hiding that well. No, I think it was just a double. It was like a some kind of play to social conservatives. I'm not sure it worked. I'm not sure he needed social conservatives that much. I, I, it's a weird choice. As weird as their stinking logo. I think that the, his children made this choice and mm. were trying to get someone with a totally different temperament, which I definitely understand. Indiana, not the kind of battleground state that you'd think they'd be looking to. I mean, I guess, again, this just signals not a lot of people were interested in this job. Perhaps oh, yeah. Mike Pence was the best of the options. The humiliation train for Chris Christie continues. I mean, what an awful year for Chris Christie and all self-inflicted. It's just so sad. Well, and also I was reading in the New York Times there, he had an additional, um, like a couple indictments come down from from his former staffers. And his house endured a storm and his power was out for a while. It was kind of like, here's the worst day ever, Chris Christie. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't feel sorry for him, but whatever. I, it, it almost makes me feel sorry for him. I, I guess I just want him to do some soul searching and work on his comeback, because I think the Republican Party needs the version of Chris Christie that was speaking openly about heroin addiction and needs the version of Chris Christie that for a while was a very responsible and popular governor in New Jersey who took his state through a hurricane, worked well with the federal government. I mean, that's the kind of Republican that we need. Something about this primary and um, maybe just the power of the governor's office in general. You know, I don't I don't know where things the facts are going to come out on the situation with the bridge, but he I think he just needs some good, quiet reflection time. And I hope that he's able to emerge from this um, stronger and having learned some lessons. Quiet reflection is not not words I would usually associate with Chris Christie. I'm just being an optimist. That's all you can do sometimes. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. The GOP convention, as you said, is this week. And we are a little bit concerned for the safety of everyone who will be in the area, in part because, as has been widely publicized, Ohio has open carry laws. So people coming to the convention will be able to carry firearms. Now, they can't carry guns inside the arena, but outside there will be weapons. And I think that John Kasich has done the right thing by not making an exception to the open carry laws, because honestly, if you decide to live this way and let's face it, this is a Republican led issue. That's true. You kind of have to live with what you've created. Well, the issue isn't, though. It's like sort of the protesters outside that they're worried about people that aren't necessarily subscribed to that worldview. 
Well, right. But I mean, that's the thing. You pass a law, you pass it for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think Kasich has done the right thing here, even though it is very scary. And I share the concerns of the uh, president of the Cleveland Police Union talking about how this is very concerning for their officers who are going to be trying to keep everyone safe during what is a very controversial event. I feel like Cleveland probably wishes it could go back in time to when they were bidding for this event and be like, you know what, y'all? Never mind. Thanks. Pass. Mm -hmm. Hard pass. We'll take our NBA championship and just just, be good for the year. And just chill out. Totally. So our hope and, you know, expectation, we have to have the expectation is that everyone will protest peacefully and that the convention will will happen with everyone sort of valuing our right to disagree in the United States. But um, I sure hope this is not a moment that anyone... um, uses to make a point about gun laws well and i feel like though also there's some things to be discussed going on what's going to happen in the arena it seems like everyone is distancing distancing themselves is it true that they were saying you know tim tebow's going to be there and tim tebow was like no i'm not i I feel like i read that somewhere that they were announcing speakers and appearances and then the people were like uh no we're not coming in a lot of ways, the run-up to this convention has looked like amateur hour. Yeah. There are it stories. is. I mean, I don't want to be ugly, but it is. Donald Trump's campaign is, is in fact, amateur hour. Not in that he's stupid, but in that the, his experience and everyone around him's experiences is not with running something like this. Yeah, there is a certain set of expectations for a national campaign like this one that they're not living up to. And, and the Republican Party is, frankly, not living up to right now. I mean, the fact that there are so many stories leaking about the party essentially having to beg people like Sheldon Adelson for money to, to pull this off. I mean, it's just it's pretty embarrassing. And I I hope that it is um, pain that will precede change. But, you know, it's a dark time right now to be a reasonable Republican. Well, do you have a reasonable Republican you'd like to... Oh, I have a reasonable Republican I'd like to compliment, I guess I should say. Um, not always reasonable, but I do respect Senator Rand Paul's decision to um, not attend the GOP convention. He's actually taking a bus tour to Paducah, like Western Kentucky area. I don't know if he's making an appearance in Paducah, but I know he's making a bus tour to Western Kentucky, and I will always support someone's decision to come to Western Kentucky particularly if it's over going to Cleveland, hanging out with Donald Trump. So I want to go in a totally different direction this week with my compliment for the other side. I found this really heartwarming story about Boston Mayor Marty Walsh working with Charlie Baker, the Republican governor of Massachusetts. You've previously complimented Governor Baker, who is enormously popular. The two of them, a couple of months ago, came together and did a spoof on Adele's Hello video to try (laughs) to attract GE to construct a plant in Boston. And they got the business there, created a bunch of jobs. And apparently the two of them, along with lots of other Democrats and Republicans across Massachusetts, are just really working hard with Governor Baker and he with them to, in his words, make the case for bipartisanship and show that functioning government is what the people want. So I'm going to link this story in our show notes, but I just thought it was um, uplifting and a demonstration of where we can be when we decide that's what we want. Yeah, that's great. And again, we would love to have 
your input on compliment the other side portion of the show. So if you have a member of the opposing party you think is doing a great job or did a great project or just generally want to compliment, call and leave us a voicemail at 859-568-2330. Or you can record a voice memo and just email it to us. So please, we want to hear y'all's voices. I think this exercise is one of the best things for me that we do on the podcast because you really see what you look for. And when you start looking for something and you're making this conscious decision, like I want to find someone, they're there, you know, in a way that you might not have seen before. Yeah, definitely. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your Wild Grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special, and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day, Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash pantsuit. Stories is the right way to frame this 
because with anything that is particularly terror driven or frightening, we all immediately start to compose stories and including the news outlets. I was thinking today that one of my new favorite news trends is the way that they've started doing Fox does this and the New York times does this, where it's just a, instead of feeling like they have to write a story, this is, they've sort of embraced the beauty of the internet where it's just, what do we don't, what do we know right now? And they just post snippets of updates as they get them. And I think that's a really positive way to keep people updated as opposed to saying, well, this is what's happening. It's saying, this is all we know right now. Instead of trying to write a story, it's just sharing the actual snippets of facts that we have. Um, So the recent difficult news, I guess, begins in Nice. Right, with the terror attack during Bastille Day and then quickly followed by the coup in Turkey. And the coup in Turkey has been a really difficult story to follow. It just came out of nowhere from a from a Western perspective. Mm-hmm. People who understand the climate in Turkey, I think we're less surprised than the rest of the world by this. Um, we, we had a very difficult week in my house on a personal level. My, my mom was hospitalized, close close friend of ours experienced a death. There were just lots of things. And uh, my husband called me, I was out and on my way home. And he said, literally, Beth, I had the television on. I went upstairs. I came back down. There's a military coup in Turkey. And that's how this week has felt. Just you turn away for a second and something horrific has happened. Well, I have a friend from law school who also is an occasional listener of the show, Tyler. And he immediately posted something that sort of gave me perspective on it and he says that historically in turkey it's the military that sort of is the protector of a secular government and so they most often step in when they feel as if that the you know secular nature of the government is under threat and so i think the president is seen as more islamist and more radical and um he was able to maintain power but i'm a little worried now that i have this sort of historical perspective at what cost again this is another story so Right. My understanding is that this was too small a faction of the military Mm -hmm. to succeed, but that this faction of the military's interest was in protecting the secular democracy um, that Turkey is supposed to be. And that the president, as you said, Sarah, might use this as a chance to put together some kind of extraordinary power for himself to to Mm. try to keep order in the country. So it is a really complex situation. And Turkey is important to us as the United States in the Middle East. I would imagine trying to come up with a um, reasonable and judicious response had to be taxing for our State Department. Oh, I can only imagine. And I think that um, another thing I read that sort of put the perspective of Nice and Turkey into a larger framework for me was that, you know, I don't think there's any debate at this point that the power dynamics and in Europe and sort of the broader, broader part of the globe is shifting. And we are protected by that largely by geography. But when you can sort of drive from France to ISIS strongholds, it just changes everything. And the the tight geography and shifting dynamics among these countries is really 
becoming a reality for people in Europe, I think in a, in a way that they were not expecting or just weren't mentally prepared for. It seems like the attack in Nice really sort of shifted the narrative in France from, you know, they're calling up reservists and they're saying like, this is our new reality and we need to, you know, adjust to the fact that these attacks could become a part of our lives. And there's, you know, not a whole lot that we can do because we can't sniff out every single radical in our midst and that in the protections that we would have to revoke in order to do that aren't worth the cost, or at least that's, I think that's a discussion they're having. The phrase ISIS inspired to your point about story is a really troubling one to me. We taught, we saw this in the situation with Orlando too, where the shooter in Orlando was framed as loosely affiliated or allegiant to ISIS without seeming to know much about ISIS or mm. Hezbollah, uh, to whom he also swore allegiance. In Nice, it was almost immediately assumed that this was an ISIS attack. I haven't seen any confirmation that ISIS had anything to do with this, but no. then they claimed responsibility, you know, days after we had said that, that, that they were responsible. Right. And then we have John Kerry talking about how these attacks in Western Europe are sort of desperate moves by ISIS because they're losing territory in the Middle East. Well, if they're losing territory in the Middle East, maybe we should stop giving them credit for attacks in Western Europe mm -hmm. and the United States and everywhere else. And maybe we should stop giving them so much power by constantly referencing them. I, I really believe that you are right, that narrative is driving what we all perceive to be going on, and we might be missing a lot because of that. Well, and connecting the two stories in Europe with the recent story in the United States, the tragic shooting of more police officers in Baton Rouge, um, Rebecca Traster, a previous guest on this show and one of our favorite um, journalists and authors, has written a really great article for, I believe it was a New York magazine, about the connect, the real connection between uh, mass violence might be misogyny. And that really what's happening, you know, if you want to see a common connection between a lot of these attacks, it's that they either have a history of domestic violence. Well, she had a statistic, it was like 57% of these attacks involve a foreign, like a family member is killed. And, you know, that we don't know the exact profile or some of the most recent attacks, but it does seem to be a common thread, you know, and maybe when we're talking about, instead of, you know, Newt Gingrich talking about, we need to have every Muslim in America test their allegiance to Sharia law or some absurd religious test. Maybe questions we need to start looking for are connections to domestic violence and violence towards women. And maybe there is a thread, a story that we're not, we haven't really, you know, been listening to. Well, it's certainly about misogyny in one respect. I think it's about just the propensity to violence in another. Mm -hmm. I think it's about our collective emotional and social health. Labeling what's happening between, you know, ISIS and peaceful Muslims as about Islam is just it. 
it's not wrong to say that radical Islam is behind some of what's happening, but it's wrong to say that Islam is behind all of what's happening. And it's wrong to ignore the fact that far more Muslims than anyone else are dying at the hands of this terrorism. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, we don't know yet what happened in Baton Rouge. We don't know if the police were targeted in connection with this ongoing story about uh, mistrust of the police and sort of the militarization of our police. But that's where our brains all go now because mm -hmm. that's the storyline. And it's, I think we just need to be able to step back and say, this is just tragic. It's just tragic. And let's pause for a second and hold space for that tragedy and then hold space for all of the possible things that we should learn from it and the things that we should do to prevent it in the next instance. But certainly ranting and raving and preaching at our neighbors about different kinds of ideas, that's not going to solve any problems. Well, and I was just thinking about, does anybody remember the movie? I think it was a crash. It won the best picture and it was about sort of, there was a lot of racial conflict and all these interweaving stories. Do you remember this movie? I do. Yes. It kind of drove me crazy because it's just like all these threads that finally start to come together and they've felt so separate throughout the movie that by the time they start to intertwine, it almost seems improbable. Well, and I remember at the time that Roger Ebert wrote this really great review of a movie that is definitively problematic, <laughs> but I remember him talking and I just looked it up and I'll try to find the really great part I remember which was that basically, you know, we have only been living around people who are look different than us and feel differently than us and act differently than us for like the last couple hundred years. And we spent thousands of years in tight knit groups of people just like us. And so I think, you know, the intersection of ideas and of ethnicities, nationalities, racist, racist, um, is even stronger today. And it just, it's becoming stronger and stronger. And I, I feel this sort of the story in my head feels sort of this, this psychic global tug of war between, um, the forces that hate this and think that they want things to you know, everyone to agree with them or look like them or act like them. And the rest of us who just want to live and are willing to make space in our lives for people that are different than us. And, you know, that sort of the, I think that that is what's happening. I mean, in such a global scale, I think in the early 1900s, when you read of all these sort of anarchist and assassination attempts and assassinations, and you think about that, it was sort of this industrial revolution in which people were pushed into cities and we're living amongst those who are so different from them. And now we have this, with, especially if you're considering online as a space in which we all live, which I think is fair. Um, it's happening on this super, sort of global level in a, in a way we couldn't have anticipated or prepared for. And it's tough. It's really tough. And you're going to, in a global environment like this, you're going to bump up against truly troubled and violent individuals but, you know, they can't, they can't drive the story, right? Like they can't, because that's what they want. 
My perspective is that it's not binary. You talked about how there are people who want to live with people who differ from them and can make space for that. And then people who don't, I think that we are all on a spectrum somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are people who are very open-minded and open-hearted about some issues, but not at all about others. And when we just dive into labeling those folks as progressive or conservative or um, pro-globalization or anti-globalization or whatever it is, I think that's where we really do ourselves a disservice. We had an interesting interaction on our Facebook page over a movie poster for Birth of a Nation that you posted, Sarah. So if you haven't seen this poster, it's an image of a black man with a noose around his neck that is made from the American flag. And it is very provocative. And it's a poster for the movie The Birth of a Nation. It's really interesting because one of our listeners objected to the image. And then we got into a little bit of a discussion about censorship. And the person who objected to the image said, no, 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 I'm not saying that it shouldn't exist. I'm saying it bothers me. And I kept having an aside with uh, one of the people involved in that discussion. And we were talking about how do you, as a person who believes in America very strongly and values our flag and our symbols and our country, get across the fact that you can both love the country and see the country's flaws you know how and and I think that's part of what's happening in all of these stories. We've talked about this before. You can both love and respect and appreciate and want to protect our police and see systemic failure there. It's it's a discussion that we return to a lot, but I think that's the mature response. You can say Islam is a factor, not the only factor in global terror. Well, and I think though that I guess where I would push back against that is I think we run into problems when the story becomes that certain things are sacred. And I think when things become sacred, there just becomes less breathing room for any kind of discussion. And that, you know, for me, I truly identify with the millennial outlook of nothing is sacred. I'll push against anything. I'll rethink anything that doesn't work. Let's rethink that. All right. That doesn't work. Let's rethink that. You know, and they say that even that's a, you know, that's a built in a, in a technological era in which, you know, we're not afraid to just shut it down and press reset and try something new. Whereas if you sort of, you know, we've all been around people who didn't grow up with technology and they're sort of terrified to try anything in order to learn it or, fix it or whatever. And so I don't know if it's a generational approach, but, you know, if, and in this case, you know, treating the flag as sacred is part of the barricade to a broader discussion of what we got wrong in in the past and how we move forward with that, then I'm, I'm absolutely okay with abandoning that. Like, I just don't think that the, you know, for me, it doesn't seem like the positives outweigh or the negatives outweigh the positives, but and I think that's true on, in, in any sort of broader story we tell about terror or, you know, I think a lot of times things in these discussions, you know, not to sound flippant, but even sort of a sort of psychic safety or emotional safety, like, is that sacred? Is the idea that nothing bad can ever happen to us in America worth some of the sacrifices we've made in the past? You know, so maybe I think that's really what what France has to decide what is sacred, what isn't, what, you know, this is our new reality. How are we going to deal with it? And what is the story 
that we're telling ourselves and that with the benefit of hindsight, people will tell about us in, you know, 50, a hundred years from now. I believe... I'm, getting re- I'm getting really philosophical here. <laughs> well, super high level. I, be- I believe that things can be sacred without imposing a bunch of dogma around that. So I believe that you can see the flag as an image that we respect. And again, that doesn't mean that I would censor this image. I wouldn't. I respect it. It's art, right? There's something uh, beautiful and revolting. And there's every emotion tied up in that particular image. And so that's what the artist intended to portray. And so me thinking that the flag is a symbol that we should respect and that we should try to have positive feelings about, like, that's just my belief for me not for everyone else. And I I think we should be able to respect each other's positions on things like that without automatically making a bunch of assumptions about what's behind that. Because again, I can love America and I can appreciate everything that's great about America. And part of what's great about America is that you can even create an image like that for all of us to talk about and react to. And I think there can be a tendency, especially in times like this, when we have this tension around our police force, when we have this tension around our security generally because of what's going on in the rest of the world, we have a presidential election happening to think that America is like circling the drain. And I do not believe that's true. I think it is a difficult time. I think we have a lot of work to do. I think we have a lot of questions to ask ourselves. I also think that this is a wonderful country and a great place to live. And I think I can hold all of those beliefs simultaneously. It's just like I can both believe in God and question God's existence every single day. And both of those things can exist together. Well, and the 538 did a really great podcast about sort of the, the instinct for all is lost. Everything's falling apart, um, which I think we all have. And particularly there's been a lot of comparisons to the summer of 1968 and they, they sort of ran the numbers and, as they are, as they are want to do at 538, I sort of stacked up all the ways, you know, 1968 was very different from, from today. And, you know, I truly understand the, the frustration of, you know, I think everyone in America feels like our, our, not everyone in America, but I think it is very easy for, in our current polarized state, it's, it's like you, how my women's studies professor used to call feminism crazy making because you feel like you see what's happening and no one else does. And it makes you feel crazy. I get that sense when I talk to people on the other side of the political spectrum for me, sometimes we both feel like, how can you not see this? And I think um, we all feel a little bit about a little bit of that in the face of terror attacks. We just feel like, you know, I'm going about, especially terrorist attacks, I'm going about my everyday life. I feel safe. The reality around me tells me I'm safe and most things are the same, but yet I look at the news and I'm feeling something really intrude into the story that I'm telling myself. And that tension can feel so um, disarming and unsettling. And I don't really have a good answer for how to deal with it, except for you know, just to take a breath and think, am I reacting or am I responding? Like we talked about in Chicago the day after Dallas. And it's so hard to do, and I'm not claiming to have mastered it. But I do think overall we're getting better at it. I do think that, you know, I'm always a proponent of the Internet. I think that the flood 
even though it's easy to be in an echo chamber if you're not careful, sort of the flood of voices offering different perspectives, if nothing else just disrupts the story enough to say, okay, there isn't one story. There's a lot of stories. And so let's just, it might feel like the end of the world, but we have a lot of narratives and not one is true and not all are wrong. So Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible. And skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin and I have added ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies. So we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Answer 
it's also, I think, just making the conscious effort to step back and mm-hmm. um, examine something in different ways. There's this great poem by David uh, Bud Bill called The Three Goals. And he talks about how the first goal is to just see something simply and clearly alone on its own. And the second goal is to see everything as unified with all the other things in the world. And the third the third goal is to see both at the same time, to grasp Mm. the universal and the particular simultaneously. I mean, I think the risk right now is for me, as I get new notifications from New York Times all the time, I probably should turn those off, is, you know, I've gone from sort of feeling super emotional and feeling like I'm on the verge of overreacting to now I'm just starting to get numb. And I don't really know which one is worse. I think just noticing that is like the best you can do because none of us can sustain the empathy that all these situations requires right now. We just can't, right? We're people and we've got, um, again, sort of the universal and the particular happening at one time. Right. And I think it's okay to go in and out of that. And I think it's better to recognize it and admit it and take breaks when you need to take breaks from everything that's happening. But then when you come back to just try to understand it instead of have an opinion, that's kind of where I am. I don't, I'm not looking for an opinion on much right now. I'm just trying to watch and understand, learn as much as I can learn. I don't have an opinion about what happened in Turkey. I'm trying to learn as much as I can learn about Turkey. Right. And I think the more we go forward in that spirit, the better positioned we'll be to make decisions when we have decisions to make. Wow. Yeah. It's just, it's hard, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's just being present in your reaction. I mean, I feel like this, (laughs) we're getting super philosophical about it, but I don't really know what other choice we have. I don't either. And I, this is the way I want to live in my life too. In my relationships, I don't want to be deciding like, well, this is my bad aunt and my good uncle or something like that. I mean, the way that we treat our politics and treat other countries as, you know, sorting everyone into allies and enemies, that's just not how any of us live in any other aspect. You know, I don't hate some things and love others. Like, I don't have the kind of feelings about an orange, you know, that I have about politics. And I just, I think it's better to just say, I want to, I want to first be intellectually curious and second, be intellectually honest. And then somewhere along the way, get really clear on what my guiding principles are to move forward. Well, and I feel my brain stretching. Maybe that's why I feel so numb and sort of out of it. I just feel like my, the capacity for understanding and sort of conceit, like perceiving and taking it all in and finding a place for it. And my brain is just bumping up against the outer limits of my capacity because, you know, maybe that's really what Roger Ebert was getting at in that review is just, we're learning. We're just really trying to figure out how to do this. This is all so new to all of us because not only did we um, sort of live amongst people who were just like us. We didn't really have an understanding of what was going on across the world. You know, it's not like we consumed every terrible thing that happened everywhere in the earth. The second it happened, this is a really new human experience. And it's a lot psychically to psychically and emotionally and intellectually to just to find a space for in your life and in your brain. 
Maybe that's what it is. We get questions all the time from people who say, I want to not be in an echo chamber. What sources do you recommend? And I would respond with all the sources and deliberately find sources that you know are going to challenge you, right? So I watched for close to an hour yesterday, Chris Matthews interviewing Bill Maher. That is not a really comfortable space for someone who thinks of himself as mostly conservative. Mm. But there were points of agreement for me and there were points of strong disagreement. Um, And then there were things that I just thought that's interesting. And, And that's a good set of reactions. One of the things that I think is really relevant to this conversation, they were talking about Hillary Clinton and how hawkish she is perceived to be on foreign policy and how in throughout history, the small number of women in, you know, very powerful leadership positions we've had have tended to be more hawkish because sometimes people hear the kind of conversation you and I are having and perceive weakness Right. If we say, let's be open, let's be curious, let's not form an opinion too soon. People interpret that as weakness. And a lot of female leaders, they named, you know, Golda Meir and Margaret Thatcher and several others and said, look, you know, women tend to be very strong once they've made a decision. And and perhaps that's compensation for being perceived as weak in a way that men aren't. But, you know, that, that discussion uh, went in a lot of directions, some of which I agreed with and some of which I didn't. But I think one thing to pull out that marries up with what we're saying is it is not weak. And in fact, I think it's stronger to hang on for a second and try to examine where you're coming from and what can challenge where you're coming from and where you ultimately land on something. It's also not wrong to sometimes not ultimately land on something because fortunately sitting here in Kentucky, we are not forced to make a decision on any of these things. And so we especially don't have to like be mad at our neighbors because we might make a different decision if push came to shove. Well, before we move on to the heels, we just want to thank everybody for being patient with us as we work through these um, difficult topics together. And as always with you guys online. So next up, we're going to work through some people's Uh, The pushing against some people's ideas about what it should and should not be on a much lighter note, the new Ghostbusters movie. So I went and saw Ghostbusters today, Beth. I cannot wait to see it. I'm so jealous that you've already been. You need to go tonight. They need that weekend opening numbers to to shut all the trolls down. So for anybody unfamiliar, the Ghostbusters... Reboot is starring four fabulous women as the four Ghostbusters. It's Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCartney. Oh, the, oh, oh, I'm blanking on their names. Kate McKinnon uh, and Leslie Jones, right? Thank you. Yes, it's a it's a Saturday Night Live heavy cast. Um, and the who they're terming the Ghost Bros went. They just flipped out on the idea of female Ghostbusters. Just nastiness misogyny at its most extreme um so much so it's became such a part of the sort of the narrative of the movie that they included it in the movie they're sort of send-ups to it but it was such first of all it's just funny it's well done the special effects are great the story is great and they do a really great job um of weaving in the original and um but also not being weighed down by it kind of giving send-ups to it 
And I hadn't really thought about it until one of my favorite writers I'm always talking about, Anne Helen Peterson, said, like, it's just such a revolutionary act and such a positive experience as a woman to have four female leads, none of which is of love interest. They're just there being people, doing things they're interested outside of the framework of their relationships to men. And it is so refreshing. That's just what humor is to you, right? Just changing it up. And seeing yeah. what happens. And Kate McKinnon, I'm sorry, is hilarious. Ugh, I cannot name a person ridiculous. who's funnier than Kate McKinnon. Um, in this movie, she just is so on top of it. So I think I read one review that described her as like a living comic book reel. Like she just is so expressive and so funny. Her timing is so good. She, uh, It's really good. You guys, I highly, highly recommend it. I took Griffin because I thought I love the idea of introducing a little boy to this Uh franchise with all female leads and i think it's fine for kids i think the only thing i mean that the ghosts are scary but they're scary in such an over-the-top way that um it just would depend on your kid but i think the only thing is you know they kind of get they get real talky in movies that are the the plot is adult-ish not like adult content just adult pacing and dialogue and so there's a couple times griffin was like wanted to talk about what he thought was happening. <laughs> but other than that, I say, I think it's fine for kids. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode. Um, we really do value the conversations that we have with you around the show and hope to keep hearing from you. And we also appreciate your patience in us getting back to you, which we try to do as quickly and as thoughtfully as possible. Please keep leaving us iTunes reviews. That helps other people find Pantsuit Politics. You can engage with us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Pantsuit Politic. And we want to say a very special thank you to Hannah, who is the newest person to support Pantsuit Politics. Until next week, keep it nuanced, y'all.